Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, bold move expert and coming out coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet dwellers and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, and this is going to be one of those, I don't know, it's hard to explain. One of those moments, I guess, when I say I knew him when. I knew this guy when he was trying to find himself. I knew him when he helped me with his social media. I knew him when he had some dark times and when we were working together, I was coaching him. He was helping me. And then I knew him when he came blazing out of the closet to do some really insane shit and make himself the artist that he has now become. He's a true friend. He's starting to be reckoned with in the art scene. He's about to make some big, bold moves, moving from one side of the country to the other. I know him as a soulful man, a deep thinker, a proud uncle, a really cool guy who never stops uncloseting himself to live his life in his way on his terms. He's my buddy. He's my friend, Blake Jamison, and I'm so happy to have you finally on the podcast, man. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. So you have been making some moves, my friend, in the last couple of years. So let's kind of, we'll kind of set the tone. We met probably what, three, four years ago, I guess, at a networking event. Uh, We met in 2012. So that's like six years ago. Yeah. That's crazy, man. That's totally yeah. crazy. And um, we just kind of connected and then we started chatting and then we got to go know each other. And then literally, like I described in the um, intro, we started kind of collaborating together. I was your coach. You were my social media guy. We were doing mm-hmm. lots of stuff and um, kind of just been on this journey. I'm going to say together because we both have watched our businesses grow in so many beautiful different ways. And then... Yeah. Um, Suddenly, here you are, Mr. Artist Guy, um, and that's been amazing. And you've always played and dabbled in the arts, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, it, it was always a hobby, but yeah. it definitely was uh, something that I kind of had convinced myself wasn't a career. <clears throat> and why do, you, why do you say you convinced yourself wasn't a career? Let's start there. That's probably a good place to start. Sure. Um, <sighs> I don't know. I just think that, like, you know, with stereotypical, like, starving artist mm-hmm. and while money isn't, you know, really what motivates me, I don't want to starve. So, right, right. um, yeah, like my parents are, are also like creative and also really like supportive of me, uh, being creative. And so they were encouraging me to major in art when I went to college, uh, and just, you know, doing anything that I can to kind of see that creativity. Yeah. yeah it's just great. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really like, it, was, it wasn't like other people told me, oh, you can't do that. It was really just something I told myself mm-hmm. um, saying, you know, it wasn't a viable career. It wasn't going to give me the lifestyle that I want or, or whatever. Um, and then ultimately, like what kind of changed that is I turned 30 and just decided that I was working a job for someone else, building someone else's dreams. And it was just time to like do my own thing and whether or not, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that meant financially, it didn't matter. It was just mm-hmm. uh you know, choice out and, of passion. Yeah. And that, I think that's kind of when we, we finally met and everything was happening was you were in that space of, <laughs> I don't want to build other people's dreams. And then I shared with you that that's kind of what got me going was I went through the same thing. I was right. building other people's dreams and it wasn't working for me. 
And then, you know, we started having lots of conversations around that self. But the creativity piece, it's always been in your blood. I mean, I, I remember you talking about your mom and your dad being super creative, but you, you've done a not just painting, which is what you're kind of focused on right now, mm-hmm. but there's always been this creative side to you, everything from music to, you know, creating social media campaigns to, you know, advertising and stuff. Everything has always had this creative flair. Mm-hmm. So what led you to this current paint being the medium versus going down the music route? Cause I know you've done some music, you've done some mm-hmm. voiceover stuff. What drove you towards the painting piece? Um, so when I, when I quit the corporate job when I turned 30, uh, I didn't necessarily know like, Oh, I'm going to quit this and then I'm going to start painting. Right. Uh, it was just simply like, I just need to do something else and do something for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I ended up taking a five week trip to Barcelona. Um, which was what, I guess that was summer of 2014. Yeah. Um, and really got inspired by the street art there. They just have like s- such an awesome, uh, you know, culture and like it used to be the street art capital of the world. And then there's all this history where like the city decided that they didn't want it. And so they started covering it up and now there's like certain walls that get painted and some don't. Right. Just like, it's just, it's just got a really cool story behind it. And I was really inspired by it. And I actually started doing some street art while in Spain and, and was just going out at night and painting. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. I came back, uh, I just decided that I wanted to continue doing that, but doing it on canvas where I could market it and sell it and mm-hmm. build it into a business. I remember, I remember that trip. I remember Instagram or something one morning waking up and go, Oh my gosh, he just painted this and going, Oh my God, my guy is like doing some stuff. I haven't, I mean, I knew it was within you, but I, I was like, something's transforming here because it was just starting to really kick you. And um, then you came back and things began to light up. So for those of you who may not have started to look at some of the stuff that's linked on the page, and I'm going to throw a few of his pieces up on the show page so you can see those. Um, they're very bright. They're very vivid. They're very much literally like, the street art graffiti, but then there's this personal portrait piece that gets mixed into them. So how did that start to be part of this? I mean, I know you have lots of people that you admire as mentors and lots of people you look up to, but what brought that portraiture piece into it? That's the best way I could describe it. I'm sure you've got some other way to describe it, but yeah. Um, I mean, I, I prefer just, I prefer painting people over like painting a landscape or, Mm -hmm. or an animal or something like that. I I don't know what, draws me to it but i just kind of just enjoy it the most i love it so i started painting like you said like kind of some of my mentors so i did like a gary vaynerchuk portrait mm-hmm. um that like the gary liked and retweeted and then i did a portrait of d-rock and so i was doing stuff where i was like in the social media world where obviously where i used to work and play right so um randomly last october in las vegas i met this guy that is a sports agent that represents athletes uh, mostly football players. He used to play in the NFL and he really liked my work. And he said, Hey, why don't you do some paintings for some of my clients? If you do a couple for free, then their teammates will probably want to buy them. Uh, they'll get really into it. Uh, and so I, I didn't have anything else really going on at the time. I said, sure, we'll do it. So I, I did these, these football players and exactly as he predicted, um, that really snowballed for me. I think the athletes are an awesome niche because the style of art, like the kind of bright pop art is kind yeah. of, I don't know. It's kind of like in right now and it, and it like resonates with them. And they also are, you know, not everyone wants a picture of themselves and they mm-hmm. do like pictures of themselves uh, and they have the disposable income for it. So 
I've been playing a lot in like the, the professional sports realm ever since then. And that's been extremely good for, for growing the business. Yeah. And you've been doing some charity stuff and all that sort of stuff, having some stuff auctioned off. That's really cool. And it doesn't just stop there. I mean, there's been some other celebrities that uh, you've done some portraitures for and suddenly here you are. This just has become what I'm going to call it's become your life. It's become your work. Yep. Yeah. It, uh, it has, I, I do it every day, which is yeah. awesome. But for those who haven't experienced it yet and, and Blake's got YouTube videos and everything showing some of this stuff, this came from a space of trying to push the envelope, trying to use some mediums that most people go, Hmm. Yeah, we know street artists, they use the spray paint and everything, but this is truly your medium. It's spray, Kansas spray paint, and it's done on canvas, mm -hmm. and there's just a ton of different elements that go into this. So kind of describe for the audience what brought this about to the place where you said, okay, it's going to be spray paint, it's going to be canvas, I know it came from the street art, and I'm going to use all these different mediums. What really started to like, oh, this is how I want to do this? Sure. Um, so, so like I mentioned, like I didn't go to art school or anything or really get any formal training. And so it's all kind of been like self-taught and experimentation. And which so, is, which is, I'm going to interrupt you, Blake, because a yeah. lot of this has been everything, the way you do life. You, you are like a seeker. You're a guy who says, if I'm going to figure something out, I'm going to go figure it out on my own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is one yeah, of the things uh, I, I admire about you most is, I know when you were working with me on my social media and stuff, there was always this, oh, I found this and I figured this out. It's like you just go and you figure stuff out and there's a driving force behind that. And so mm -hmm. this self-taught piece is huge. Mm -hmm. It's what I feel like it's something that's part of what keeps you alive and keeps you ticking. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. I mean, I always learn best like hands-on. And so the whole process has evolved quite a bit. So I started out like looking to, you know, people that I look up to like Shepard Ferry, I think is a, is a super iconic kind of artist that did really well playing both sides of like, he's really well respected in the street art world. And then he's also like a really top selling, you know, gallery artist and mm -hmm. is, you know, so I was looking at like him and, and a couple other stencil artists and was just trying to like figure out how they do it. And at first I'm replicating, you know, what someone else is doing. And then obviously like the more time I spend in my studio and the more different kind of things I try, I start to figure out like how to tweak the process or, you know, what works really well. Uh, and then just keep repeating that. So it's cool because now, uh, let's see, I've been a full-time artist for a little over three years, three years, but I'd say like only in the last like six months, do I feel like I've really kind of like hit my stride and like I'm kind of more finding my style than I was the first few mm. years. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So what have you learned most about yourself through this process? Hmm. What have I learned most about myself? Um, well, I think like, so it kind of, it kind of actually goes back to like our coaching days when like we were working with each other uh, and you were helping me. Uh, you know, really we kind of kept coming back to like freedom and flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. It was like the ultimate goal was like, I just wanted the freedom and flexibility. And I think that like, then, you know, not that I disliked working in social media and or anything, but I think that like at that time I said, I kind of just put a money number on like the freedom and flexibility to say, okay, well I need X amount of dollars mm -hmm. to get me this like freedom and flexibility feeling. Um, 
but as you know, over the last three years as an artist, like I definitely haven't made, didn't make as much money at first as I did in social media. I took a big pay cut. Um, but I also got to like do things that I really liked every day. And to me, like that really is like the freedom and flexibility part because it, it doesn't even require, you know, maybe the amount of money I thought it did. I was just trying to like, you know, maybe buy vacations or buy like right. a couple extra days off. And now it's like, well, I don't really take any days off, but every day feels like it's a day off, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And this was a big thing, you know, if, if I were to summarize, you know, around my brand, what you and I really worked on that you uncloseted yourself from and the big, bold moves you made mm-hmm. was giving yourself full permission to say, I want to live a life of freedom and flexibility. Mm-hmm. And it was always there. I, I, there wasn't really a fight in it. I think the fight came from the money piece because right. we all have to make money. I mean, <laughs> let's be real here, folks. This isn't like, okay, we're advocating, go live on and be a pauper. It's no, right. there's certain things you got to do, right. but it's how you step into, okay, if I want freedom and flexibility, how does that look? And how does the money piece, how does that abundance piece fit into that? Because it may not be making a million dollars a year, but it may be, hey, I'm living this way and I've got ways I can live, you know, rent free or low rent and I don't need these things, but everything goes into my craft. And I think a lot of people miss this piece of it isn't always just about the money. There's pieces of it that can you can do other things and suddenly that freedom, that flexibility shows up in life. In fact, one of um, a previous guests who was just on the podcast a couple of months ago and I got to see her at World Domination Summit in July, she gave up everything. The day that we recorded, she literally had given up the last piece of anything she owned and was boarding a flight the next day for three months or not quite full three months, two and a half months in Thailand before she came to World Domination Summit. When I saw her there, I said, so I have to ask the question, did you get what you thought you'd get by doing that? Right. And she said, I've gotten so much more and I've learned so much about what I really need and what I really don't need. Right. That's and I awesome. think that, that's what I, I've observed about you as I've you know, watched over the last couple of years as you've gone on this journey. There's your craft and your art has become the freedom and flexibility pillars for your life and given you that ability to continue to create freedom and flexibility. Mm-hmm. At least that's my take from what I see looking from the outside in. Mm-hmm. So as you're continuing to grow and step into this, are you completely fearless now? Or do you have those days where it's like, fuck, I don't know if I'm going to make this. Uh, well, I'm definitely not fearless. Um, but I think I'm pretty reckless. Hmm. Uh, let's see. So, you know, honestly, like on Wednesday in two days from now, uh, I'm boarding a flight with a backpack and like one, one checked bag and going to New York to completely like kind of rebuild a studio, uh, which is pretty, pretty scary. Mm. Uh, especially because like the space I have here is just so awesome. It's so magical. It's on, and it's on my family's property that they've had forever. So it's like, we have acres of space and very cool creative space. So like, it's definitely like scary going to a place like New York where everything's tiny and expensive, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then build something else. But I think it's going to be a really fun, fun challenge. And I'm thinking like, you know, I see these like kind of uh, turning points in my artistic career of like, Oh, you know, like when I met that sports agent, like that was a really big turning point. I feel like this move into New York is going to be a, uh, an awesome turning point and, and is going to produce different art that I couldn't create here. Mm-hmm. 
So when you face these awesome turning points that maybe you kind of know that's going to, you don't know for sure it's going to be a turning point, but it, then it happens. But like, let's just take about this move to New York. Mm-hmm. What keeps you moving towards? What keeps you moving forward? Because a lot of people go, okay, this thing is here. I could do this. And then no, I'm not going to do this. What's your igniting thing that keeps you always moving forward? Oh man. I think, um, I mean, it's really easy to get complacent and comfortable, uh, especially when you just have like, you know, something like my studio is really cool. But, you know, if I look back at like the turning points, even throughout my life before I was an artist, a lot of them have to do with like geographical moves. So like when I moved to Los Angeles in 2012 from NorCal, it was just something that I'd always wanted to do and just said, you know what, I can do it now. So let's do it. Right. Um, And it's kind of the same situation now, you know, my girlfriend and I uh, had been talking about wanting to move to New York and, you know, we don't have kids. We don't have anything like holding us in California mm-hmm. and it'll always be here for us if we want to come back. So we're just kind of like, well, let's, uh, let's just give it a shot. And I'm super excited. I think it's going to be a rad adventure for both of us. Well, and I think what you just shared is this realizing what, what you can be doing if you don't let the fear completely get in the way, you guys don't have kids. You don't have, you know, you don't have anything holding you back. I remember when my husband and I had the conversation back in the fall of 2017 about, you know what, there's nothing keeping us here in Southern California. There's no reason to be here. We could go be wherever we want to be because our last kid had moved out of the house and was like, college. not that I was like, okay, now she's gone. Let's bolt. It wasn't right. that. It was like, is there any reason now if the kids, if our youngest one had been like, Oh yeah, I consider that home home. Right. Then it would have been another thing, but she's like, no, you know, I, I'm cool with wherever you guys want to go. Right. And I think sometimes we have to listen to these pieces of ourselves and go, yeah, it's okay to give myself permission to go do this. You right. guys are literally giving yourself permission to go, let's go experience this. We don't know what it holds for us. We don't know, but I also know you well enough, Blake, that, part of the cool challenge is in the challenge. Let's go see what we can do. Mm-hmm. So why has that always been something that's driven you? Because I know you so well that you love the challenge. You love the opportunity. Why is that something that drives you so deeply? Um, I think that like, I mean, obviously you know this as well as anybody about me, but like I'm really into like personal development mm-hmm. um, and, and like continuing to grow any kind of like skill set or ability or, or characteristic. Right. And uh, if I'm, if I'm doing things that I've already done, then, then that almost never happens. Mm. Like it's just, it gets, it gets really boring really quick and I'm not like stimulated. So trying new things, going to new places, uh, going on like, you know, these adventures is just like, uh, I'm naturally drawn to it because I know that if I put myself in situations I've never been in, then I'm going to like learn new things about myself or, or the world or other people or, or whatever, you know? Why is that important to you to constantly keep growing? I don't know. (laughs) I think that it's just like, it's instinctual. Um, Mm. Yeah. I like that because, you know, sometimes I don't think we listen to our instincts and I'm getting ready to do a speech in a few weeks around something similar to that, where part of the speech talks about, listening to my intuition and listening to my instincts. And had I not ever listened to my intuition and my instincts, I don't think you and I would actually be having this conversation today. And I'm not about meeting you. I'm talking about doing this podcast. Right, right, right. And it came to me from a space of, okay, this wasn't on the radar, 
It wasn't anything I thought, okay, let's do this. Let's make this part of the business model. Mm-hmm. And now I'm approaching over 300 episodes. It's amazing. And it's all because I listened to my gut instinct. I followed mm-hmm. that and I said, mm-hmm. something's here I need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And that has become my guiding force, which sounds like it's pretty much what's happening for you. I know that when that instinct hits and I allow myself to, myself to say, this is something I need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. That's when really cool shit happens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's when really cool shit doesn't happen either. And that's okay because when it doesn't happen, then that gives me the ability to step back and go, okay, why did you do this? Maybe it was too much of a, oh, let's see what this can do for my business. And I do it in a quick flash. And then I'm like, wait, that didn't work. Or let's go follow this and just be curious about it. What I've learned for myself is when I don't be curious about something, when I'm like, okay, I've already got it figured out why I need to do this. And this is the, 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 the. a lot of times that's when I fail big time. But when I'm open and I'm curious and I'm vulnerable and I don't have it all figured out, a lot of times that's when the real magic happens. Right. So for you, when you think about magic happening, if you could look in a crystal ball a year from now, what would you like to have happen? Oh man. Uh, it's interesting. See, I know like, this is a tough question for you know, Blake. He hates when I ask these kind of questions. It bugs yeah, the shit out of him. Well, well, just like the way I think about it is like, you know, these, those little turning points, like meeting that agent, which was just in October. So that's been like seven or eight months. Right. Met this guy. And then it completely shaped like, so much of the paintings, so much of the art stuff that I've done and and, in a major way, like really, really helped. So Mm -hmm. like, but a year ago, I wouldn't have known to say, oh, I hope I meet a sports agent. And then I get into an entirely new niche of painting and then, you know, or, you know, whatever, I'm crushing it. So, right, right. um, So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because like those kind of things, like it's really, you know, really tough to plan for. But I think like big picture, you know, getting in New York, getting settled in, and building, you know, I consider like this studios, I, I call the farm. So we mm-hmm. live on this like two acre kind of ranch. Yep. And I think building a studio in more like of a warehouse um, and having kind of an urban studio. Um, I'm, I'm looking for something where I can actually like do my own shows there. So it could like be like a studio and then turn into a gallery or, mm-hmm. you know, we could have Laura and my girlfriend DJ and, and throw like a party there. So I really want to take like, my art space and turn it more into like kind of a creative compound or kind of a, like a co-working space almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that I can kind of take more ownership and control of like, you know, obviously if I can throw my own art shows, then I don't need to rely on a gallery or a promoter or someone else to like seek me out and, and me convince right. them, you know, yeah. to throw me a show. You know, as you were saying that the thing that came across my mind is you were like, you know, take my art space and create, the first thing that crossed my mind was create my life space. And I know this is, this is something that you've been doing for a long time. Your life space, your art space, your creative space, they all meld together. Every time you make a turn, it's about how do I keep all these pieces in that sphere? And it's about being really focused. And I don't want people to walk away from this go, okay, so he had this plan. I don't think any of this is planned. And when I said a year from now, the reason I asked Blake that question is because I think we get so stuck on, okay, well, where do you want to be? And then suddenly we go, okay, we got to figure this out. Well, we get so busy figuring out where we're going to be in a year that we can't just do what we need to be doing to go live. 
And I'm not saying don't go without direction, but sometimes I think we get so focused on, okay, a year from now, this has to happen now. Mm-hmm. I understand that some people don't think that way. I understand there's those that are like, I have to know. That's great. But just, just recognize every once in a while, if you gave yourself permission not to know, you might really be surprised what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I've witnessed with you along the way. And why I wanted you to be on the podcast was because I think there's a beautiful story here of trusting your instinct, following your passion, taking risks, um, being a little reckless, not having everything be certain and knowing when you give yourself permission to do that, you might just land in everything you've been trying to create for all these other years. Mm-hmm. The other thing you did like that I want to kind of, bring forward for people is it's the phrase that I use a lot about going back into your closet and using what's in your closet to help you come out of your closet. And what I mean by that in Blake's case is he has used his expertise in social media. He's used his creativity to bring him to this space. He's also used his own internal compass of, who he is as a spiritual, soulful sort of guy to bring everything out of this closet to become this artist. And I find it fascinating where the two worlds collide because even as you sent me stuff, I'm like, okay, so he's using Instagram, he's using Twitter, all these different social medias to really promote himself. And had you not had that experience in your professional life, I know you would have gone and figured it out because that's just what you do. But so many people don't realize, step back into your closet. What's already in here? What's already, what have I already done? How have I already learned to master certain things? And now how can I bring that into the world that I'm currently doing? I know most people are going to go, well, yeah, I think about that all the time. I'm not sure we all do. Mm -hmm. I think some of us go, okay, wow, I got to go figure this out. When really, maybe the figuring it out is go back in and see what you already know. Mm-hmm. And leverage that more than going out and learning a whole bunch of new stuff. Mm-hmm. Not opposed to learning the new stuff. Um, but I'm curious how you feel about what I just was saying, because I, I know there's some perspectives there that you probably resonate with. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, you know, I wouldn't trade my, my work experience for anything. And having a background of, you know, almost 10 years in digital marketing and social media is something that most artists just don't have. Um, right. And And not only that, like, Also just having like a uh, kind of a business mindset where, you know, I think that a lot of artists struggle with, you know, putting a price tag on their work uh, Mm -hmm. or or promoting it and trying to sell their own work and stuff. Um, And whatever, I'm not saying everyone needs to go out and like hustle and push their own stuff uh, super hard if if it's uncomfortable. But like bottom line is like, I have no problem uh, asking for money for the things that I do. And, you know, that came from like freelancing and social media. And I've been able to transfer that into the art world. Um, so yeah, the marketing is awesome. It is interesting though. I mean, I'm glad that like, you know, you say you checked it out and and think it looks good, but it's a lot easier for me to come into someone else's uh, social media and say, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, you, you, this, this, and this could be better, you know, but I could tell someone else how to do it uh, a lot easier than doing it for myself. For some reason, it's like a lot more challenging uh, for me to do my own stuff. And I just get like, overanalyze, you know, I want to make everything perfect and get, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, whatever. But, well, yeah, but it, I think it, that's it, what most of us do. All of us entrepreneurs, we we get so close to our own stuff mm-hmm. that we can't see 
what we need to do for all the woods we create. And especially those of us like you and I, you're really good at social media, marketing and branding. I come from the marketing branding world. And so I always have to get in. And the hardest decision I made in the last year was the complete stepping away when I gave somebody full control to go redo the website. And it was so freaking hard for me. I mean, yes, there were pieces of it I contributed to, but it was like, no, trust us. This is what you need to do. Here's what we're going to do. And I was like fighting it at times. I'm like, okay, let it go, man. Right. Let it go because if I don't, then I'm going to be right back where I am going, okay, well, this still isn't working. And even as we're talking, I'm coming up on possibly hiring somebody to do some creative writing for the site to give it some more voice of what Rick really sounds like, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think these pieces are where each of us as entrepreneurs or anybody in any realm, sometimes we have to step back and go, okay, let's let somebody else take the, the lead and do some of this for us. So, as we get ready to wrap this up, man, um, I got a couple of questions for you. If you could go back and be where you are right now, but have it be five years ago, would you want to do that? So, like, I could just time travel basically five yep. years in the past, but I know everything I know now? Yep. Would I do that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. What would be the advantage of that? Um, nothing. I just think the last five years was fun. Mm -hmm. And I'd do it again. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I think... Uh, it's so interesting when I ask that question because I get lots of different answers. Some people are like, oh, yeah. hell no. I would and other people are like, oh, yeah. Put me back where I know what I know now with everything I got going now and, and put it yeah. five years. Yeah. And their answer is because then I'd have even more joy happening. Because yeah. I would have been doing this now for five years. Right. Other people right. are like, oh, hell no. I wouldn't want to live through that. You know, I don't want to miss out on what I lived through. It's just it's right. very interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. to get those perspectives. So the last thing I want to ask you before we do wrap it up is if you could really give somebody some perspective or advice about doing the things like you've done, making that bold move and stepping into that space of, as you said, being reckless. Mm -hmm. uh, what would be some advice you'd love to leave the listeners with about just taking those steps and doing what you got to do in life? Um, I think that like for me and what I would recommend to others is like, try, try as many different things as you possibly can. And when you find something that you're like waking up excited to do every day, then keep doing that as much as you can. Mm. Um, I mean, that's like the biggest difference now is, you know, versus like when I was working in social media, I'd wake up and I, you know, or working for other people. It doesn't, the fact that social media is irrelevant. Um, it just like, wasn't like exciting, you know? And now like every morning I wake up and I'm like, all right, thinking about what I'm going to paint or what I'm going to create. Um, it's just awesome. It's a really good feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that because it's kind of, Similar to where I am, I've been doing a lot of internal, like, okay, what's exciting me? Mm -hmm. Because I, you know, I hit my, I think as we all do, I hit my, oh, this isn't exciting me. So now what do I got to do to make it exciting? Mm -hmm. And whether it's speaking or whether, actually, the one thing that's always exciting to me is the podcast. I love, because I get to have cool conversations. Mm -hmm. um, before I was recording with you, um, this show I was recording with someone who's a sex worker. And it's, it's amazing to get to have the conversations and then put the bow on the package, so to speak, of, okay, wow, we went from sex worker to artist. How does this all 
equate to someone living life on their terms, mm-hmm. being uncloseted, making bold moves, but there's always the tie-ins there. Mm-hmm. But to be able to dissect this and go, okay, what's exciting me? I wonder how many people don't ask themselves that question enough. Mm-hmm. And then they just keep living through life and they just keep doing the mundane and they just keep showing up. And it's so important to ask that question of yourself. What's exciting me today mm-hmm. and do more of that. I love that advice, mm-hmm. man. So, uh, so cool, man. Well, Hey, you know, I'm wishing you all the best of luck. Um, Thank you. I know you're going to do amazing stuff, whatever you do. And, I look forward to one day seeing you just thrive in a great gallery. I'm sure you will create your own space and make it amazing because you always do that stuff. But um, we will have everything linked over to Blake where you can catch him and see some of his work. And um, I encourage you to look at it. If you want to commission something from him, go for it. If he's got some stuff um, on his site that you want to buy, definitely go for that. But um, I I just, I'm so glad we've stayed in contact, man. And we continue to have these moments where we get to just like chat and see what each other are doing. So, yeah. um, So best of luck to you, man. Thanks for being here. So appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you, Rick. All right. There you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.